Hello, Brad here. Just to say we're super proud that the Friday 5pm podcast is sponsored by the Malt Miller, the UK's best home brew store. We use the Malt Miller for all of our homebrew experiments, as well as tapping them up for advice and binging on their awesome YouTube channel all the time. That's why whenever we release a homebrew video, we put a recipe kit live on the Malt Miller, so you can brew with the exact same amazing ingredients that we did. The same ingredients used by pro brewers. So alongside the Malt Miller's nitro-flushed hops, cold-stored yeast and milled-to-order malts, you can pick up recipe kits for our Five Points Best Bitter, Russian River West Coast IPA, and now the fastest beer in the world, a hazy session IPA that goes from grain to glass in less than 48 hours. Sign up to their newsletter at tinyurl.com forward slash maltmiller to get 5% off your first order. With the Malt Miller's amazing customer service and Johnny's 48-hour recipe, you could order the ingredients on a Monday and be drinking the beer by the weekend. Speaking of which, it's Friday. It's 5pm. So enjoy this week's Friday 5pm podcast. Good afternoon, beer geeks. I hope you've got a beer in your hand, because we certainly don't, because we're doing a lot of drilling, a lot of screwing. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yes, um, sounds a bit wrong, Johnny. <laughs> uh, just to sort of clarify, we are currently building the uh, the home of home brewing on the Craft Beer Channel, aren't we? We are. We are, we are building a home brewery building and studio in my back garden. I had probably one of the most intense days of physical work I've ever had yesterday and I, I dug and mostly flattened the area we're going to build in and then my dad because your dad has to be involved whenever you do DIY as, as, a, a, as a millennial because um, we don't have any actual life skills um, he came along and went nope that's not deep enough not flat enough or anything so I then spent probably nine hours digging and then having to lay sand in the bits I'd over dug Damn, this is uh, <laughs> this is like Brad's week of woe. This time it's Johnny's week of woe. But just one day. But it felt like a week. Sounds like uh, hard labour. It's like prison style. <laughs> I'll um I'll put a link to the photo that I put on Twitter this morning, which was me about eight p.m. last night when we finally finished laying the base. Um, just looking that glorious mix of absolutely shattered, but also delighted. And I kind of expected to wake up this morning, go down and find that it had all been a dream. Or it sunk or something. Or it sunk, just a sinkhole had opened up. Um, but no, it was all good. So we've just literally just finished building the frame that everything will sit on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a couple of mil here and there is not going to make it fall down, is it? That's, mate, the tolerance we're talking about is about three mil out. I think two to three mil out. That's all we've got. There. Over over about three metre. Ah. Uh, square so two or three mils pretty bloody good i think Johnny. so there you go so that's that's the base laid and we're going to get as much as we can done before the light fails us but of course we couldn't skip a friday five i say that we skip friday 5 p.m all the time but we didn't want to skip this one for some very exciting news which we'll tell you at the end um but yeah so that's being built hopefully we'll we'll get it watertight maybe today and then i'll i'll do the finishing touches over the next probably couple of weeks, if I'm honest. Um, and then we will have a new home for the Craft Beer Channel, for the, the home brews, for the videos, and for hopefully sofa sessions, if we can all squeeze in there. But it's not oh, the biggest. Hell. Three metres square. <laughs> so it's going to be tricky. But we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. We're close friends. We've stayed in smaller hotel rooms together. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this week was, uh, moving on to the video, was our fourth episode of... 
the biggest thing we've ever done, which was our Real Ale series. And this time it was, and somebody put a comment, I, I haven't found it while digging through, but somebody said it was nice to see Brad lead a video because it was in your your neck of the woods, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, man, I've, I've got a place, I've got a little um, Peter Tear down in Margate, uh, one of my spiritual homes, uh, along with Catford. Uh, and uh, I bloody love it there. Yeah, I've been, I've, I've over the last several years I've, I've been sort of doing up a wreck of a place and um now i just love spending time there whenever i can it's great so yeah you were leading us round i mean a couple of pubs i've been to because you'd taken me there before but it was a, a a micro pub tour but we only actually went to five about five yeah the th- over 30 that yeah there are i think there's about family. 30 yeah because like when we say found it we're including little places like minster and um yeah, there's all there's all these little mad little towns that have all been inspired to uh yeah, just just liven up the high street again. Although the, the very first ever micro pub wasn't technically in Thanet, it's just outside it. I forget it was called the Butcher's Arms, but I forget the name yeah. of the town. So it started in Kent, but Thanet seems to have really kind of taken it to heart, hasn't it? Yeah, I don't know I, I don't know what that is. I think the rents were like super cheap because a lot Margate of, was rough. Well, I mean Margate is one of the most deprived uh, well, certainly Cliftonville, one of the most deprived council areas in the UK. So, you know, lot you know, let's say five years ago, before the resurgence, there were loads of empty units mm. all over the place. And there still are a few of them. I think when you um, get away from that lovely curve full of amazing stuff, it does start to, you can start to see the poverty and the, the, yeah. the need for renovation that surrounds yeah. the central market definitely i mean it's you know there are it's quite an impoverished impoverished area but um as as we sort of learned talking to phil uh, uh over the you know since the turn was built it, it's really blossomed and regenerated and mm. um, there was already like a strong artist community there he was one of them but um it kind of took like the the might of a giant organization like the turner contemporary to um to make uh, London types go, hey, what's this Margate place? And now they all live there. Now they all live there. They, <laughs> and they're called DFLs, down from London's. Is that um, right? So yeah, you're a yeah. DFL? Yeah, I'm a, D- I'm a part-time DFL, yeah. A part- oh, God, is that even worse? Probably, yeah, because oh, I'm, not, I'm not fully in the community. <laughs> I'm just a bastard. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I mean, as you've seen in the video, I think... Yeah, that somebody said that it's one of the best video we've ever done. I'm not sure I agree with that, but I think we did a really nice job of explaining what makes the micro pub special, and particularly the Margate one. Because although we only went to five places, the breadth of what we showed in like size, the way it's used, the beer that's served, the view that you have when you walk outside, like they're all radically different. Yeah, I mean, like, we're, and also in terms of like location-wise, where we were, we walked from one to the next one, to the next one in Margate within about a minute and a half. Yeah. Because it, they're, that, they're that prolific and centralised. Um, we probably walked past a few as we were yeah, doing yeah, it yeah. as well. It's, I mean, like, yeah, certainly there's there's like a microbrewery on the front called Zylo, which, yeah. you know, we didn't we didn't look at. but It's not cast, mate. It's not cast, of course. That's why we didn't go there. And um, oh, those other guys had a pop-up there that have gone Oh, now. Flock. Flock, Flock were Brewing there. were on the seafront for a yeah, bit as yeah. well. Yeah, so I mean, there's a huge amount of brewing yeah. and drinking going on in in margate and then yeah we obviously had to hop in a car we were driven by somebody not drinking um yeah. to broadstairs where it's not quite as dense but still has a really great yeah man scene. there's i mean we didn't we didn't sort of go off on on any other streets and there's there's a whole bunch of 
different ones. Um, there's there's even like there's a a train themed one called Mind the Gap, <laughs> which has got loads of train paraphernalia. There's one which I can't really count, but it's called Houdini's, and it's like this mad little bar um, with loads of ma- magic sort of stuff on the walls. And I think they play magic on a TV set. Is that up near the station? Yeah, on the way yeah, to, yeah. The I think I walked past it because yeah. I went down there. There was a festival with some pretty uh, non-politically correct costumes going on. Okay, but uh, we did grab a takeaway pint from the Houdini's. I did you? During that, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I've only been in there once uh, with my girlfriend, and um, the barman was like, "Want to see a magic trick?" And then that's a terrible. Oh no, my head is filled with lots of things. No, it sounds well wrong. Magic. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, yeah, he's a bit of a sort of weird, slimy way about him. But I think that's just magicians in general. They're just a bit weird and slimy. They are slightly strange. It's like Job from um, Arrested Development. (laughs) It's kind of like that guy. I was like, stay away from my girlfriend. Tricks are what whores do for money. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, So yeah, they are a little bit strange and maybe not the most uh, forward-thinking people, but. that's magicians, not micropub owners. Micropub oh, owners are incredibly forward-thinking. Mate, so many amazing places there. Um, we only just scratched the surface. I think if I can persuade Johnny, we might... Because the original thing was we were going to go round on the Loop bus, mm. which is a local bus route, which takes in all three major towns, Margate, Broadstairs, Ramsgate. And you can just get off along the way, you know, sort of near Minster and all these other places and kind of hit up maybe like 15 of them in a day. Um, that would be a cool video as well. That was kind of what the genesis of this idea was. I mean, people were already picking up in the comments as to you being a little bit squiffy by the time we got to the mm. magnet. So God knows what would happen if we did 15 micro pubs and a bus tour. Um, we might fall over. But, you know, as, as Phil from Fez said, there are people that come down from like Northumberland and all these like places from around the UK. Quite a lot of them from up north where Cask is like beloved yeah and they come down for beer tourism there which is amazing and also you know if you're coming from the north none of that beer is going to be on a sparkler so uh that proves how good the beer how good the condition the beer is if if somebody's not moaning about a sparkler we've had lots of people moaning about sparklers in the comments saying why aren't they pouring this properly you can do it without a sparkler you can do it with a sparkler but like the beer in uh in phil's place in the fest it's just i i i we talked to him about how he cleans his glassware because I think mm. that's a key thing to head retention. But honestly, those beers, there's a great thing that actually didn't make it into the video when I was editing. And uh, Phil poured you a beer and brought it out and you just went, are you hiding a sparkler back there? Because <laughs> yeah. the, the, the head, head was head incredibly was creamy. Yeah, yeah. And yet that's, you know, when you really look after your beer and, you know, he was, it also didn't go into the video. It could have gone into episode one, really, but his, him talking about the way he looks after beer and how much beer he has to just tip away. Or how much beer? Interesting. I thought about that. He rejects, mm-hmm. so he'll he'll bring it, bring it in. He'll rack it. Um, he'll um, vent it, and then serve it. And if he's not happy with that first pint, it goes straight back to the brewery. And he said he's he's lost a lot of friends and a couple of suppliers that way. But he just won't have it. Well, that's I guess that's the way that you know you keep the standards up and you have to be rigorous. And you know you live or die by the beer you're serving. When it's yeah. cask. Yeah, and when you've only got two taps and people yeah. are there for the beer. Yeah. And like that's another thing you said was like, do you want to... Oh, no, sorry, that was that was at the old fountain where we were talking about how many lines... Yeah, Johnny said, do you want eight yeah. all right pints or two absolute bangers, yeah. And I think that's the same in any of these places. They will 
they'll want to serve you the peak car stuff. They're not going to just yeah. bombard you with 10 different... And that's that's not to say that you can't have eight cast lines because oh, yeah. some of the best pubs that we know do, but that's because their throughput is, is incredible. They're in a location where that can happen. Whereas in Margate, you can only fit, what, 20 people in the fairs at a time? They're basically sitting rooms. Yeah. They're like, come into my house yeah. and sit on my um, artisanal furniture and like re... Whatever. It's just yeah. like everything's wacky and amazing. That's why I love it there, man. There's so many characters, um, which, you know, we, we, we showed a bit of the pie, man. And you walk around these places and there's there's so many lunatics slash wonderful eccentric people just yeah. sort of milling about in uh, in Margate. I think that happens in a lot of coastal places because you, you sort of, you've gone as far as you can on land. Sort of if you were a zombie or something and you just sort of walked aimlessly <laughs> until you hit the water. Uh, then you would end up. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm not saying uh, yeah, they're bad so you're people. People on the coast are zombies. Cask well, zombies. No, I just I think there's something about like you've gone as far as you can go, and then you're like, well, I'll just stay here then. I mean, I've done it. I'm there. Part time. Part time. Part time. Part time DFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I don't know what my point was. I find like incredibly calming. <laughs> That's a famous psychological thing. Yeah, it that, is. That being near water. Particularly people with anxiety and depression yeah. um, find being by the coast incredibly soothing. I think, I mean, I, I have no idea. I seem to remember reading an article about how a lot of Psychos. people end up in Coney, Coney Island. A lot of right. homeless people, I think, during winter when it's empty, they go there because they know what's going to be there. In one direction, it's sea. Mm-hmm. And in the other direction, you know, it's somewhere they've been multiple times or something like that. I'll have to, I'll have to do some research again. I've been to Coney Island in the winter, yeah, because I'm weird. And I went when all of the all of the park was shut down, and um, literally it was like tumbleweed in the streets. The only people I saw, sadly, were homeless people yeah. that were like kind of hanging out in the railway station. It was it was fucking freezing. Like there were there were icicles hanging down on the beach off of um like taps and stuff it was it was gnarly Mm. and these dudes were like walking around with shopping carts and stuff but yeah man like i don't know why you would go there in the winter it's so baltic cold it was crazy (laughs) well i'll try and dig out the article and we can report next week about why why people go to coney island well i mean brad was one of those people and can't tell us why so maybe there isn't an answer but anyway people at the sea our, our characters, particularly, I think, in those those seaside towns that have had their rough times and are coming back, you get this wonderful mix of part-time DFLs and lifetimers who um, have stories to tell and things they've seen and stuff they've learned along the way of, you know, having every possible um, thing go wrong and then things start to go right again as a town. Yeah, man. And this is the, the other thing is, like, all the, the kind of creative people that, that used to live in London, maybe in the East End, um were renting and got priced out um you know 10 years ago they would have gone to berlin <laughs> yeah and they would have led a sort of david bowie existence over there now a lot of them are going to margate and okay. they're, margate they're the new up. berlin margate's new berlin you heard it here first <laughs> yeah but they're starting up you know these sort of creative businesses um including micro pubs and stuff like a lot of these people um the guy from magnet used to work in music industry Oh, did he? I missed I that. believe so, yeah. Right. And then obviously Phil w- um, was an, art, an artist an art, an artist, and a tutor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Phil um, went to uh, taught St. Martin's, I think, as well, where I went oh, right. for a bit of the time, yeah. 
as well as Canterbury. So yeah, there's a very strong artistic community there. This summer, I'm going to be hosting talks at the Manchester, Bristol and London Craft Beer Festivals, giving festival goers the chance to attend tutored tastings, rare beer pours, meet the brewers and even guided tours of the bars. These three festivals are the highlights of my events calendar, featuring some of the world's best breweries with delicious restaurant pop-ups, great music and a really welcoming party atmosphere. It's the third year I've been hosting the We Are Beer Tastings table, but for the first time I'm delighted to offer all of our listeners, viewers and Patreons £5 off a ticket when you use the code CBC5. Just hit the link in the description to buy. See you there. Well, so, I mean, hopefully the video persuaded you, persuaded you that you need to go to Thanet and, and explore those pubs and, and the art scene that's around it. But hopefully what we've just said has as well. Um, so in the comments, I mean, there were lots of lovely comments. People really enjoyed this video, which is which is lovely. Somebody said it's the most natural you've you've ever looked, Brad, on camera. And relaxed. Yeah, I yeah. think that's that's probably because I was drunk. No, <laughs> you were sober at the start. It's because, do you know what? When I'm in Margate, uh, I do suffer with depression and stuff. When I'm in Margate... I feel energized by the this very special sunshine that you get there. It's a unique atmosphere, and um, just being amongst all—I don't know—it's just there's something special in the air there, and it just makes me feel positive. And go. I'm just super excited to show you all these lovely places that are so dear to me. I, and they're, they're dear for you for a, for a good reason. Mm. Um, so the other comment we got was was from Kim Sturdevant, who said, "As a California brewer, I must say Eddie is." Eddie made my favourite beer in my travels through Europe in 2019. He's a brilliant brewer. He also took me to Margate one day and we drank at the fairs. So Eddie has taste and so does Kim. Um, and then says, man, these videos bring back some great memories. Um, the reason I picked that out is because we've had so, so many Americans and so many American brewers get excited about this playlist, which we've always kind of known that a cast playlist would sort of rate well over in the States because I think it, it really ties into that British ideal that... Mm -hmm. um, I think certainly America has. We're doing our best to damage that reputation as a nation. But um, it's it's been remarkable. Like, I've had private messages. We've had so many people. Like we had Chris from Greenbench yeah, get in touch with us and talk about it. We had the, the former barrel master of Firestone Walker get in touch and say he was loving the, play, the playlist. Um, it's been really exciting to see. I think there's been a real, uh, not demand, because nobody's demanding it, but people haven't realized how much they've wanted to explore this world. Yeah. And then as soon as they see it, they're like, oh my God, I you know, I forgot this existed or I'd never thought about doing it this way to try and promote cask. It's definitely sort of touched a nerve. I think, yeah, I, there aren't uh, that many sort of uh, playlists on on YouTube that are potentially similar to what we're doing mm. at all, I don't think. I think mean, there's a lot that are celebrating cask and its tradition and its heritage and its future and all the rest of it. So um, it's something we've wanted to do for a long time that's incredibly British. But we've also got these ideas to do that in a similar way for other countries, haven't we, and other beer cultures. Yeah, I think the tradition, you know, there's so much diversity in the brewing world and a lot of what we've done on the Craft Beer Channel, a lot of what people do on social is to talk about the brand new stuff that's happening in all these countries. And that top layer is pretty much the same everywhere. It's New England IPA. Hmm. Whereas, you know, if we go to Belgium and talk to the traditional and the family brewers, we go to Germany and talk to the traditional and the family brewers, you go to Czech Republic and you do the same, you're going to see much more diversity and much more regionality, which I think is what's been really cool about the cask series we've done. Not only is it 
uniquely British. It's also, you know, where we went in Sheffield was kind of unique, not, notting like it was in Margate, which was nothing like it was in the Cotswolds at, at Hook Norton. Um, I also think something that I'm really proud of with this series is that, and one of the reasons I really wanted to do it is because car scale in this country, you know, it's seen as something to protect. And it's also seen as something a bit fluffy and a bit light. And it's always like the last segment on the news when somebody's done something in cask. And it's always that kind of puff story or that kind of save the clock tower kind of story instead of like, no, wait, 30% of what's drunk in the UK is cask and nobody's fucking talking about it. IPA makes up about 3%. You know, there's nearly 10 times as much bitter being poured as IPA in this country. That's a, it's a crazy stat, isn't it? Because I guess we're inside this bubble. Yeah. And especially sort of being quite London centric in our location. But it's it's hard to sort of go. Uh, I like it's it's borne out in some of the comments where people are like, "Up north, mate, we're we're all drinking bitter." Yeah, definitely seen that a lot. It's like, it's oh like, shit, find where we are. What are you talking yeah, about? yeah. I mean, like, and that's amazing to hear. Obviously, we're both southern guys, um, but you know, I, I love the north. I love the north. Did I tell you I tried to get in Game of Thrones as a as a norther? Um, no, explain this. <laughs> my my friend Jerry's wife is one of the main characters in Game of Thrones. Right. And I saw an asked her, could I be an extra in the Northern Army? And she was like, yeah, maybe. And then nothing ever came of it. From no, her no, no. Literally block number now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. Uh... trying to call, Jerry. Uh... <laughs> yeah, he does a... He, well, I don't know if he still does it. He did a great pub quiz. He's a comedian. Stand up comedian does a great pub quiz in um, Forest Hill, which I haven't been to in well since pandemic. So people are going to piece this together soon. Um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Start demanding to be extras. Well, in, that's in it. Things. Well, it's bloody finished now, isn't it? Oh, so, that's, well, there's the actually no. The, the I was going to say the prequel is about a hundred years beforehand. So and also it's like well, she's not. Yeah, she. Won't yeah, be she in it. just a twinkle in the eye of no, no, no. several generations exactly. Back. Yeah. But also, I don't think I don't think it's set in the north, is it? It's well, it's wherever the the um. Targaryens are right. I mean, I was so disillusioned by the end. I'm not sure I'm going to bother with it. Anyway, we have finally gone off track. We were doing pretty well in this podcast, um, so we've got to get back to building. So all that's left to say, a, is thank you for watching this week's video, uh, and b, please sending questions. We've got no questions to answer at the moment. So if you've got a question you want us to read out on the podcast, or if you want to read it out, then send your question to craftbeervoice at gmail and we will answer it on this podcast. Um, but the final thing to mention is that we have a brand new podcast sponsor, which is very, very exciting because they're people who have been supporting us for a long, long time, both both in terms of giving us our ingredients for our home brews, but also so much information. The number of times I've called Paul Reiki from Malt Miller going, this isn't working, can you send me something? <laughs> um, is, he, he probably doesn't want to talk about how many times that's happened. So yes, Malt Miller are our new sponsor of the podcast and we're so pleased to have them because we're friends with them. We think that their shop is absolutely amazing. We're so lucky in the UK to have such a great homebrew store that cares for everything properly, as you'll have heard in the adverts. Um, and they're also a pro Patreon on, on, on the video. So they're throwing lots of support our way. And hopefully together with Malt Miller, we can get lots more people, you know, at least trying homebrew. You know, some, it's not for everybody, but I think for a lot more people 
than people think. They think it's going to be really complicated. They think it's hard to get hold of the ingredients or the equipment. And it's really not, thanks to people like Malt Miller. So hopefully we can push some people that way and get everybody talking about it. Because our homebrew section of our Discord is the most lively, the most updated, the most interesting, where I've learned a huge amount. Yeah. Um, so, you know, also join our Patreon. You'll get so many tips from some amazing brewers in there. And it's it's one of my favourite things to do when I've got half an hour just go read through the homebrew bit of our discord for him nice and, and learn a lot um and reiki from malt miller is in there he's in there giving the tips oh lovely stuff yeah so massive thanks to malt miller please do check them out um and and enjoy the hopefully hysterical adverts that brad and i recorded <laughs> to uh, to advertise that um and yeah there'll be lots more homebrew content coming we've got some big plans obviously because we're literally building a brewery to put it all in way only a year late johnny only a year late <laughs> yeah so we're going to get onto that, uh, and then we'll be able to move our lovely new grandfather equipment in. That's right, new grandfather equipment going in when it's finished. Um, so until then, love and beer and power drills. The Bubble and Friday 5pm podcast are brought to you by the nerds behind YouTube's Craft Beer channel. You can watch over 400 mini documentaries at youtube.com slash the craft beer channel. And if you love what we do, support us via Patreon and get access to merchandise and our amazing Discord forum. A positive and welcoming space for everyone who loves beer, food and homebrewing. Love and beer.